You're listening to the Discovery COVID-19 podcast. I'm Azania Mosaka, and I'll be speaking to expert guests to help you better understand coronavirus disease 2019, as well as how best to manage your health, well-being and financial security during this time. As we speak, every healthcare professional on the front line is dedicated to keeping South Africans safe. But what about the students who are still working towards becoming doctors, nurses, dentists and more? What's happening to their dreams during the coronavirus pandemic? And what happens to scholarships when students can't go to university? Here to give us insights on this issue is Gavin McGregor, director of the Umtombo Youth Development Foundation, a scholarship program that seeks to address the shortage of qualified healthcare professionals in rural hospitals by investing in local youth. Welcome, Gavin. I trust you well. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you for uh, the opportunity to speak a little bit about our work and the impact it's currently uh, having with the coronavirus. Mm. But in a nutshell, just tell us what the Umtombo Youth Development Foundation does. Okay, so our aim is to address uh, staff shortages at rural hospitals, specifically in KwaZulu-Natal. And we do that by identifying youth from the area who have academic potential and an interest to study a health science degree. And then we give them a full cost bursary. We provide mentoring support for them to go to university and study to become qualified healthcare professionals. In return for that opportunity, we expect them then to go back and work at their local hospital for the same number of years that they were supported for. Mm. And the program has had fantastic success over the years. Yeah, so to date we've got 434 graduates covering 18 different health science disciplines. So from doctors, pharmacists, radiographers, physiotherapists, and even um, guys who are working in the laboratories. And of the 430, uh, 434 graduates, 155 are doctors. It's so impressive knowing that you've added to our fight against coronavirus in this impressive way with these numbers to uh, the numbers of healthcare professionals. But how is COVID-19 affecting your ability to carry out your mandate? Where specifically have you felt the impact? Well, the biggest uh, impact has been the disruption of the academic program at universities because Mm. our main intervention is to provide academic and social mentoring support to our students to help them to navigate uh, the university um, environment and uh, with the universities now closed and uh, a whole lot of uncertainty about what the future holds, um, that is Mm -hmm. the biggest disruption at the moment. Yes, but first help us understand Uh, how you assist them, especially from a mentorship perspective. Okay, so, um, you know, students coming from a rural area, all our students come from non-fee-paying schools, quintile one and two uh, schools. So they poorly resourced schools. So by the time our um, students come into university, they've got a lot of catch-up to do. Uh, Language is a problem, um, study skills and so on. So, all our students are allocated in February each year to a local mentor, a mentor that they will meet every month. Um, And when they meet the mentor, there's a discussion around how they are progressing academically, 
um, and they need to bring their test marks and, and uh, as proof, um, but also how they're coping socially, integrating into the environment, are they making friends, um, and just to give them some of the skills to navigate uh, this very foreign environment. Mm. And so how is COVID-19 affecting your students? Because surely it's adding to the challenges that you've just described that they already face to qualify as healthcare professionals. Definitely. Uh, and a lot of them are stressed. I'm not mm. sure, uh, you know, the uncertainty brings a whole uh, lot of stress um, for the fact that the academic program has literally just started and now has been mm. disrupted. Uh, and we have students who are now in their final year, hoping to complete their qualification this year. Um, and again, that's, they're not sure whether that's going to happen. So that brings a whole lot of uncertainty. Um, then there's a whole lot of other factors. Uh, the universities um, seem to be heading in the direction of online teaching, um, at least for the next while and maybe for the entire year. And that poses a whole lot of new challenges uh, for our students in particular. What sorts of challenges with the, the online platforms? Well, because they come from rural areas and now they've had to leave residence, university residence, and go back home, uh, there are issues around connectivity where the internet connection is poor, um, the cost of data, um, and also whether they have the resources, laptops, uh, tablets, um, to, uh, for, for accessing the material, and also the, the ability to use those technical, um, you know, the laptop, the, the tablets, and the different apps, um, they, they, they may not be up to speed. And so there's an issue of having to learn how to use the, the particular program first before they can even um, start learning the, the content that they're supposed to be accessing. Right. Um, some of the universities are looking to increasingly do this. Uh, they've also tried to find a way to make sure that these platforms are zero rated. Has that helped in any way? Yeah, certainly that does help. But the, the thing about zero rating means that if you download anything off the university's website, it would not, uh, there would be no data charge um, mm -hmm. or it would not be using your data. But the problem mm -hmm. is that they, the students still need to access YouTube videos and other resources to supplement their learning. And then there's also the cost of communication. So our local mentors are still in touch with these students and uh, the student might need to speak to local mentors. So there's a, a cost of a call and, and, and so on. Whereas if it was on mm -hmm. campus, you know, uh, all of this, there's Wi-Fi on campus and all of those uh, factors on, are, uh, are not working against the student. Mm, so, so clearly studying remotely is not as easy for them. So how is how, and how might COVID-19 change your work as an NGO uh, going forward? Are you starting to see evidence that the nature of your work, the nature of your support might have to be adapted or it might have to change? Well, fortunately, we've had always had a decentralized support program. So we've got local mentors our students are on 16 different campuses. We've got local mentors situated 
um, close to or on those campuses. So we've been able to provide the same level of support across 16 different campuses. So that's been a, a good thing. And um, it does, this challenge now uh, brings in a new dimension of how do we keep that contact going? Because in terms of our mentoring support, we did feel that a face-to-face -face interaction was a very valuable uh, mentoring support program. And under the current conditions, it can't be face-to-face -face other than a, a, a Zoom-type meeting. But mm. um, so that is another challenge. Um, you know, we over, we've been doing this for 20 years and we certainly feel that face-to-face -face interaction is, is a good thing um, in terms of mentoring um, students. Uh, other programs use, um, you know, a lot more uh, online um, mon monitoring tools but we still feel that face-to-face -face is important. And so that's something we're going to have to look at and uh, whether it now becomes looking down the line uh, a Zoom meeting um, rather than actual um, sitting across a table from each other. Um, we will just see what you know, time will tell. Mm, and of course, now looking to provide perhaps more on the data front, on the technology side of things if this is the way of the future yes definitely so i you know we believe that we would probably need to orientate our students when we meet them so in first year around right. um uh, getting used to using technology because probably in future it's going to be uh, more widely used for for as a teaching platform um, and there is this there are huge benefits for that uh, in, in on one hand but um, you know rural students uh, most of them would by the time they get to university they would not have touched a computer of any form um, and they they have to catch up because by end of first semester they're supposed to be submitting the assignments online so that's kind of the norm when they when it was face to face um, mm. Now, this has kind of speeded everything up, um, and so naturally it's caused a whole lot of anxiety, um, and uh, I think we need we needing to find uh, the type of technical skills that we can provide that would be, um, that we could be sending out to students. At that stage, yeah. at this stage, we don't have those kind of um, you know, basics of how do you turn the computer on and access this mm -hmm. program and what does this mean and that uh, in a very, in a, in a simple uh, uh, format that people can access and that is also not too simple. So if you've got some knowledge, it, it still is helpful for you, you know. So I think those yeah. are the kind of things we're going to need to look at in terms of supporting students in the future um, so mm -hmm. that uh, they better equipped to deal with with a, a a very big hiccup like this absolutely so that's on the student side gavin can we look at your graduates because you have uh, alumni who are now contributing yes. of course to health health efforts in south africa so many of them are now doctors nurses pharmacists and so on and they are working on the front lines how is covid 19 affecting your graduates who are now working in hospital and do you have any real life feedback and engage and examples of engage, engagements with them since the pandemic uh, and the lockdown? 
Yes, so uh, they are on the front line. So, you know, initially we've, we've, we've sent some communication out really to encourage them and say, um, you know, you chose to be a healthcare professional and now this is really what you've been called to do. Um, and uh, just to kind of encourage them and, 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 and be there for them. But um, in, in speaking to a number of them, they are kind of um, concerned, certainly the ones working in rural areas, that people haven't been obeying the uh, stay-at-home uh, regulations and uh, people seem to be going around their business uh, very much the same. Um, and that is naturally a concern for the healthcare workers because they better understand the situation. And so a lot of them have been using their expertise to try and educate the community and say, mm -hmm. you know, to ensure that they do take this seriously. Um, and uh, so that has kind of been the first line um, uh, kind of operation. And then mm -hmm. speaking to some of them, they're saying they feel, um, you know, the hospital has equipped itself as, as best they can. And it's kind of a, a waiting game. So you're not quite sure, um, you know, whether you're going to get cases today or tomorrow and or what could break out. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, there is some anticipation um, mm. and a little bit of anxiety, not knowing what the future holds. Um, mm. And then, uh, you know, I was speaking to one of our specialists the other day. He's a cardiologist and he is now working in the private sector and he's a bit frustrated because all their cases have been put on hold. Um, so he's saying, you know, I, I wish things could get back to normal because I want to do what I'm trained to do. Um, so, yes, I think... Um, there's a bit of frustration across the board, um, but also uh, anticipation of what, is, what does this really mean and uh, are we, are we equip equipped enough to deal with it? Yes. Well, we wish them all of the best. As you have seen in other nations, people across South Africa know that that is the, fun the, the, the final line um, when it comes to fighting this pandemic. And so we yeah. wish them great strength at this very, very trying time. Yeah, but thank you. Many, the work that you do has also inspired many other NGOs. What's your advice to other NGOs out there who may be struggling at this time? Well, what I found helpful, um, there are a number of bursary providers in South Africa supporting um, disadvantaged students. Our focus is particularly rural students, and our focus is uh, exclusively health sciences, but there are many other programs. And actually, um, we get together every week um, for a Zoom meeting, uh, really as some some type of support to each other, because we're not sure what the implications are going to be, whether funders um, in future will say, well, you know, the economy is badly affected, uh, therefore we can no longer support your program, or whether, um, and I'm hoping that uh, when this settles down to some sort of normality, that the focus will again be on, on, on healthcare workers and whether we're providing enough and whether we're training them for to be fit for purpose um, yeah. and hopefully that will work in our favor um, where there's a greater uh, awareness of, of the type of skills we need 
and the type of programs that that we are involved in where uh, young people are being trained and every holiday they go back uh, to their local hospital, they're getting um, uh, work experience as, as they're doing their qualification. So by the time they qualify, they are fit for purpose um, and they're choosing to work in rural and underserved areas where, um, you know, there's the greatest need. So I'm hoping going forward that out of this pandemic, um, the good that would come from it, that there would be a new focus or refocus on the need for, for appropriate healthcare workers um, for the country to, to protect us from future pandemics or outbreaks of, of anything. But uh, then being more general and going back, as I was saying about um, meeting with these other bursary uh, providers, uh, they all we all trying to uh, understand what the um, universities are going to be doing and how best we can support um, students going forward. We know that the bigger universities, UCT, WITS, University of Pretoria, um, they are generally well equipped and most of their students uh, have access to device and Wi-Fi and so on. But the concern is really the other institutions uh, where the vast majority of their students are on financial aid and the university itself may not be as geared up towards online learning. Um, and uh, so there's going to be big challenges there. And we're trying to anticipate how, as support organizations, we can assist to support students in a, in a very critical time so that the education is not lost and um, hopefully in some way the programs can continue. Uh, what you said is so powerful, especially around the focus that needs to return, priority that needs to return to ensuring there are more healthcare workers to meet the population's need. And of course, uh, for us to be able to face a challenge such as this one. Thank you, Gavin, for those wonderful words. Is there anything else you wish to add? No, I, I, you know, I think, um, as I said to our, our, our graduates, that, you know, you've been trained for a time such as this. And uh, I think um, part of the, what this pandemic has uh, allowed the whole world, and certainly in my own life, is to reflect and say, you know, what are, what are the critical things that uh, we should be involved in? And um, we've there's a lot of stuff we put our time and energy in, which at the end of the day is of no value. And so um, these young people who are now working um, are, are, are on the front line. They're going to make a, a critical impact um, in keeping everybody safe. So uh, what an incredible opportunity. Um, and uh, we can be thankful that, that we have competent healthcare workers who are willing to be on the front line uh, to pre protect us all. Director of the Umtombo Youth Development Foundation, Gavin McGregor, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. This podcast was brought to you by Discovery. Stay informed, stay healthy.